0: Um, You know, this entire week, the nation of America is going to be celebrating Thanksgiving. The irony of that is that very little thanks, real thanks, will be given to God. Um, You know, it's a busy time. We're busy preparing. We're busy cooking. Amen. And nothing wrong with all this. Busy entertaining, busy watching football, very important. Uh, we're busy uh, eating, <laughs> very important, uh, and, and a lot. But a lot of times, guys, the only thanks that's going to be given on Thanksgiving Day is one brief little prayer, uh, right before we jump into the food that it took three days to cook and fifteen minutes to eat, and um, we're going to miss the whole point of Thanksgiving. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that today, what God says about it, what the Word of God says about it, and uh, Let's let's make it different. Let's make this um, Thanksgiving uh, different. It it all starts with realizing a basic truth, and and it's not this is something that Pastor Andrew could say to the children in kids' church, and they would get it. That's how simple the statement I'm about to make is. Every good thing in your life comes from God. Every good thing, and some things you think aren't good, they come from him too because they're best for you, and they keep you near to him. So when we understand that everything we own, every good thing, our possessions, everything we own comes from God, that's where thanksgiving begins, because without God, we wouldn't have anything good. Let's read from the Old Testament, 1 Chronicles 29, 16. 1 Chronicles 29, 16. Lord our God, this is the time that the temple had been built and they're going to dedicate the temple. Lord our God, we have gathered all this to build your temple for worship to you. Now look at that last sentence. Everything has come from you And everything belongs to you. If not for God, we would have nothing good in our lives. How many of y'all remember The Sound of Music, the movie The Sound of Music? I'm going to tell you about how old I am today. Uh, What I'm about to say is going to reveal to you my my ancient days on this earth. Um, The first movie I ever went to see walking into a theater was The Sound of Music all the other movies I'd ever seen were at a drive-in. That's old right there, ain't it? I took Millie to a drive-in one time. And when we drove off, I about pulled that speaker out the, out the f- ground. Anyway, that's a whole nother story. Um, <clears throat> but The Sound of Music, there was a song in that movie, These Are a Few... Yeah, So I'm going to give you all a few of my favorite things I'm thankful for today. I'm going to give you four things I'm thankful for, and then I'm going to give you four ways to be thankful. Four things I'm thankful for. I'm going to call these the big four. If you know Jesus Christ, if you're a believer, then you got every reason to be thankful for these four things I'm going to give you today. Number one, number one, very simple. The sermon's very simple today. Number one, I'm thankful to God because of his grace given to me. And the people said... Ephesians 2.8, Paul said to the church at Ephesus, I, I love this. He says, I mean that you have been saved by grace. That's how we're saved. Saved by grace through good works. Is that what it says? Saved by grace through simply what? Believing. Simply believing. Look what he says in that second sentence. You did not save yourselves. It was a from God, a gift from God. So what is the definition of grace? <clears throat> what does grace mean? Grace, here's a couple of definitions. There's a bunch of definitions. Here's a couple. Grace is the wonderful things God does for you even though you don't deserve it. That's pretty good, isn't it? All the wonderful things God does for you even though you don't deserve it. Grace is, here's another one, grace is God giving you what you need, not what you deserve. Because if I got what I deserve, he'd have nuked me a long time ago. Just like one of those little bug zappers. I love Psalm 103. I'm not going to read all of Psalm 103. I've just pulled some little excerpts out of Psalm 103. It's not going to come up on the screen. You've got it in your notes there. Psalm 103. It's a list of some of the things God does in our lives every day by His grace. And I love it. Paul says, or not Paul, but uh, I think David wrote 103. I will not forget the glorious things God does for me. Everybody say that with me. I will not forget the glorious things God does for me. That's what Thanksgiving is all about. Reminding you to be thankful. Don't what? Forget. How good God has been to you. And then he lists them. God forgives all my sins. God heals me. God ransoms me from hell. That's a pretty big one. God surrounds me with love. God fills my life with good things. He is merciful and tender to those who don't deserve it. He is slow to get angry. He never bears a grudge. He has not punished us as we deserve to be punished for our sins. I don't know about y'all, but that right there is... Yay and amen, we can go home right now. But I got more stuff. (laughs) If you don't understand grace and how thankful you should be for it, then here's what's happened. You have forgotten what bad shape you were in when he found you. You've forgotten about that. Let me summarize your situation before the Lord found you. Hopeless. Hopeless. Your life had no meaning, no purpose. Everything you did before you found him was was for temporary, the short time we're on this earth. You do understand we're not on this earth very long at all. Very, very, very short time. And that's what your whole life was about. You didn't think about eternity. If you did, you kind of pushed it out of your mind. We're talking about before you became a believer. And everything you did was all for temporary stuff. How foolish was that? But we were all there. There was no purpose. You were filled with guilt and fear and bitterness, some bitterness, some with worry and regrets. And I know men don't preach on this very much, but I'm going to preach on it here. You were headed for hell. You were not headed for heaven, and there was nothing you could do about it. Nothing you could do to fix that problem. You would never, ever be good enough to earn your salvation. That's how you were. That's how you were before you accepted Christ. But then God came along with his wonderful grace and said, I'm just going to show you love. You don't deserve it, but I'm going to show you love. We're the apple of his eye. You say but I don't serve him I mean I'm just here today because it's the Sunday before Thanksgiving and I promise mom you know I promised aunt, whoever he loves you he loves you doesn't matter if you're serving him or not doesn't matter if you believe in him or not he loves you he loves you so Thanksgiving this Thanksgiving I'm thankful for grace number two I'm thankful for his plans for my life his plans for my life Life is not an accident. You were made for a reason, and God has a plan for your life. Have you ever heard parents say, you were a little accident? You ever heard that? You know what? That's not true. That's not true. God purposed you. God knew, You know, Jeremiah says, before I was ever formed in my mother's womb, he knew me. Isn't that cool? You say, but what about people who, who the, the, the woman got uh, pregnant outside of marriage? What about that? Well, there are no illegitimate children. There's few illegitimate parents, but there aren't any illegitimate children. (laughs) Amen. And I don't say that to make you feel bad if that happened to you or happened to your children. I'm not here to, because God will cover all. So all you have to do is come to him humbly and he'll forgive all sins and he'll make an awesome family out of that family. Amen? Isn't that awesome how God does stuff like that? He takes our mistakes, he takes our messing up, and he makes something great out of it. And, um, and so you're, you're not an accident. You're not a mistake. <clears throat> Millie, I've heard her family say, I've heard Millie's, Millie's the youngest in her family, and I've heard some of her family say, yeah, Millie was a little accident. She wasn't my accident, baby. She's, she's my awesomeness. Amen. A lot of people have come up to me today and said, yeah, we're glad you're back. Where's Millie? We're really glad she's back. <clears throat> I feel the same way. Jeremiah 29, 11. We love this verse. This is one of our theme verses around here at the bridge. God says, for I know the plans that I have for you. You say, well, that was to Israel. I understand that. But you know what it says in the, in the New Testament? It says in the New Testament, Paul said to the Corinthian church in the New Testament that the things were written down in the Old Testament as an example to us. So let's read this for us. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare, plans for your wellness, plans for you to be blessed, not for calamity. My plans, God says, are to give you a what? Future and a hope. Is that something you can thank God for? Let me tell you about God's plans for you. Listen to this. God's plans for you are so good. And God's plans for you are so great that he even takes our mistakes. He even takes our huge blunders. He even takes things that we've done that that we look back on it now and we hang our head and go, how could I have done that? He takes that stuff. He weaves it all. He even takes hurts. Hurts. Some of you have been abused. Injustices have been done to you. And you can let that make you bitter, or you can let God get his hands on that, and he'll make you better. He will take your bad stuff and weave it all together with the power of the Holy Spirit and use it to make your life be more awesome than it ever could have been. God's plan for your life is not all happy. And the, and the Christians who have been Christians for a while here said, Amen, it's not all comfortable. Because he's a daddy. He's a parent. So he understands that there are be some, there's going to be some pain in our life. Doing God's will, following God, choosing to follow God, doesn't mean there's not going to be pain in your life. As a matter of fact, God put some pain in there. You know pain is one of the most loving things in the world because when you're hurting it tells you something is wrong so you get to go get it fixed we got some doctors in our church and they know more than we know that pain pain is a loving thing that God put in our life to tell us something is wrong that's why we go through all the uh, trials and stresses of life in this world so God can show us something's wrong Sin has encompassed this world. Sin has cursed this world. That's why there's suffering. That's why there's pain. That's why little children suffer. That's why, because man welcomed this into the environment. And he says, but I will come and give you peace. I will come and forgive. I will come and make things right. Pain is a blessing. Pain is a blessing. So God's plan includes some pain in your life. It includes some disappointments. It includes some discipline. Amen. How many of y'all know, how many of y'all know that serving God um, has some unanswered prayers in it? God doesn't answer all my prayers. Can I tell y'all I am glad about that today? You say, really, you are glad about unanswered prayer? Let me give you one example. I was in the grocery store about a year ago. I ran into one of my old girlfriends. My first reaction was, ah. <laughs> and I said, thank God for. I love you, baby. <clears throat> How many of y'all glad you haven't got everything you've ever <laughs> asked for that you prayed for? You just knew it was God's will and God didn't give it to you. And, you... <laughs> and now you're like, whoo. <laughs> so God shows God has shown us his grace, and I'm thankful for that. God has shown me a plan for my life. And let me just say this about that. Listen to this. Here's what I found out about God's plan for my life. And I'm still learning this now. The more I quit fighting his plan for my life, and the more I accept his plan for my life, the more I get in on the center of his will for my life, the more my life unfolds and my true potential comes out. And that's what will happen to you. I'm grateful for his plans in my life. Stop fighting God's plans for your life. If God be for us, he's not against you. He's for you. Number three. <clears throat> now, I am jumping all over the place when I was making list, this list. I'm thankful not only for his grace and his plans, I'm thankful that he prepared heaven for me. Who's happy about heaven? Who's happy about heaven? Amen. Six people. All right, listen. (laughs) 2 Corinthians 5 and 1. For we know that if the earthly tent, our body, our, our earthly body that's dying, for if we know... That if For we know that if the earthly tent, our body, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building body from who? A house, a new body, not made with hands. And where will it be eternal? In the heavens, in the heavens. Human human beings last forever. Do you know that? And I know people don't preach on this much, you know, because it's not cool to preach on it. And we don't want to offend anybody. But can I give you some facts right here? When you die, you're going to one of two places forever. You're going to one of two places forever when you pass from this life. You're going to spend eternity in heaven or hell, depending on whether you have received Christ and trusted his grace or not. And I want to tell you that both heaven and hell are real places. They are not some figment of someone's imagination. Heaven and hell are not some symbolism. Jesus talked more about heaven and hell than he did a lot of other things. And Jesus told us that heaven and hell were real places and people really go there. But as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we don't have to be afraid of our future. We are the most confident about death of all people because we know where we're going. You say, well, sometimes I'm not sure because I mess up. And then, you know, if something were to happen, listen. If I was, you you go to heaven because you're a child of God. Just because I mess up, Willard and Shirley, who are my mom and dad, don't go. You're not our son. Amen, y'all with me? You're going to mess up, but you're still his child. You have believed. What did that scripture say? I am saved by grace through believing, not through perfection. Because if perfection is what gets you into heaven, first of all, y'all ain't going to make it. (laughs) Secondly, if perfection or good works is what gets you to heaven, that makes you your savior. And that is the highest form of idolatry, for you to think that you are your savior One writer said, you're not ready to live until you're ready to die. Isn't that true? I mean, you say, well, how can I enjoy this life? I mean, how can I enjoy this life? I want to go to heaven, but how can I enjoy this life? Here's how you enjoy this life. Know where you're going when it's over. When you know where you're going when this life is over, then you can enjoy this life. You know why people don't enjoy this life? Because they're not sure where they're going when it's over. I'm going to heaven. You say, wow, that sounds pretty prideful. How can it be prideful? I'm going to heaven not because of anything I did, but because of everything he did. If it was dependent on me whether Farrell Hardison went to heaven or not, I can tell you right now I wouldn't go. He did it all. He paid it all. Thank God for my home in heaven. I want to be real, real blank, uh, real open with you today and straight up with you. Are you ready to die? Are you ready to die? If you died right now, do you know what would happen? Do you know where you would go? Are you ready to meet your maker? That's an important question. That's an important question. Pilate said, what am I going to do with this man named Jesus? That's the most important question a person will ever answer. What am I going to do with the man? Called Jesus because see what you decide to do with Jesus determines what God does with you. So important, so important. Our eternity hangs in the balance. Only a fool would go all through life totally unprepared for something you know is inevitably going to happen. Let me give you a statistic. You might want to write this down. I read this week that 100%. Of the people in America, that the mortality rate is 100%. <clears throat> Somebody right there. God, I did not know that. <laughs> I'm here to make y'all feel good this morning. So let me just say, you're all dying. <laughs> you're not going to live forever. We're 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 deteriorating this earthly tent. That we just read about. This earthly body is deteriorating. But, but it's not about here anyway. It's about that next life, isn't it? Are you ready? Are you ready to meet him? Let, let me just say this. At the end of this service, we're going to give you an opportunity to meet him. Meet him. Now, we're not going to ask everybody to stand and then play sad organ music and try to get all of you to walk down here in front of everybody. 14 verses of Just As I Am. <clears throat> You know, I mean that's old school and and that might have worked, but but we, we're not here to embarrass you and go, I thought he's already. I thought he was ready, you know. A... Matter of fact, can I just say this? When you see somebody come to the altar, you don't know if they're coming for themselves or they're coming for prayer for somebody they love. Quit judging people. You handle you handle the person sitting in that chair you're sitting in. That'll be all you can handle. And the people said Amen. We don't have to be afraid of dying. If you've trusted Christ and His grace, He's going to take you to heaven. And I got to tell y'all something. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. Now, I didn't put this in your notes, it's not even going to come up on the screen. But I want to give you four words about heaven. So come over there on the side of your notes and write down these four words about heaven. Just four words. Number one, reunited. Reunited. And we're. How many of y'all know that song? See, I sing good enough that y'all recognize the song. <clears throat> in heaven, we're going to be reunited with our loved ones. You look at, who's looking forward to seeing some people that have gone on and crossed over before you? Yes, sir, buddy. I remember when Bishop uh, Ron Carpenter Sr. was about to pass away, his wife put on Facebook, she put, Ron's looking for a place in the river to cross over. He was in his last hours of his life. And I loved what his wife, Ron's looking for a place in the river to cross over. She knew he wasn't going to be here long. But when we cross over, I mean, it's like, you know, Millie and I went on a cruise while we were on vacation. Thank y'all for letting us go on a cruise. Um, 24 hours of food, <laughs> 24 hours of laying down. As a matter of fact, I even laid down and ate one time. It was awesome. <laughs> It's awesome. <laughs> so so when, we left, when we left the port in Fort Lauderdale, people were waving goodbye. They were waving goodbye. And I thought about, you know, when we die, there are people on this side who wave goodbye. Goodbye. But when we got to Nassau in the Bahamas, there were people there wa- waving Welcome. Welcome. And I thought about when we get to heaven, there are going to be people who have gone before us that are going to say, welcome. We're going to be reunited, and we're going to be able to love them, and they're going to love us, and we're going to be able to fellowship with them, and they're going to fellowship with us, and we're going to know them, and they're going to know us. You say, how can that be? If we know them, we might remember bad things on the earth. I don't know how God's going to handle that, but he's got it. God's got it. <clears throat> number two, word number two. We're still talking about heaven. You're writing this over on the side. Rewarded. God has promised that in heaven you're going to be eternally rewarded for your faith, for your service, for your trust. You're going to be rewarded for praying and serving and giving and sharing. And the rewards are not temporary. They're what kind? Eternal, forever. I've won some awards down here that were temporary because I think Millie sold some of them in the yard sale. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why you'd buy a plaque that goes in appreciation of Pastor Farrell Hart. I don't know why you'd buy that, unless you want to use it for starter wood in your fireplace. But our awards down here are, are temporary, but those rewards there are forever. Third word, reassigned. Contrary to popular opinion, you are not going to be in heaven sitting on a cloud playing a harp for the rest of your life. I've got to tell you all something. If it's going to be like that, that's pretty boring. I mean, if God wants me to do that, I'm sure he'll make it fulfilling. But the thought of doing that, I mean, that's pretty boring. I've got to tell you all something. Heaven's going to be everything but boring. I mean, your senses in heaven are going to be fully aware in a way they never have before because there will be no sin there. To hold your senses back. You're going to see as you've never seen. Hear as you've never heard. Touch as you've never touched. Smell as you've never smelled. Taste as you've never tasted. Heaven is indescribable. And there are going to be no limitations. In heaven we're all going to be reassigned to new tasks. New things to do with our lives that keep us occupied and fulfilled. Tell them I said hello. Number four. Re- reunited, rewarded, reassigned. Number four, released. God says in heaven, we will all be released from pain. We're going to be. anybody happy about that? Release from pain, baby. Amen. There's some people sitting here right now, and you're in so much pain, you can hardly listen to this sermon. I'm telling you, when you get to heaven, it's over. I can't promise you it'll be all over down here. Doctors will do the best they can. The church will pray for you. But when you get to heaven, pain is over. It's over. No more pain. No more depression. No more fear. No more sorrow. No more conflict. No more fears. No more stress. No more anger. No more arguments. No more tears. No, only joy. Only joy. First Peter 1 3 through 6. I think it's in your notes. It's not going to be up here on the screen. 1 Peter 1 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy, that's a pretty big according to right there, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again. To a living hope. How did we get born again? Here it is. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We sung about it this morning. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 4. To obtain a what? Inheritance, which is what? That means it lasts forever. And undefiled. Sin doesn't limit this inheritance. See, we're way limited down here. I saw some beautiful sights on my vacation. I saw beautiful sights. You know, you can go on the internet and look at pictures of other parts of the world and pictures of our own community here and God has given us so many beautiful things. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if God has given us these awesome things that look so pretty and food that tastes so good, what is heaven going to be like? I mean, just think about it. Undefiled, unlimited and will not fade away I love this next word. Everybody say it. Reserved. You see that? you got a reservation. Who's made the reservation for heaven? Anybody made your reservation? Some of you unsure? In heaven for you. Y'all with me in this scripture? Verse 5. Who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed. See, we're enjoying salvation right now, but there's a salvation that's going to be revealed. Verse 6, in this you greatly what? Rejoice, even though now, in the now, for a what? Everybody say a little while. It ain't going to last long. For a little while, if necessary, you have been what? By various or temptations. That's how it is now. But he's saying when you get there, all that's over. All that's over. So let me answer a couple questions, and I've got to move on. Number one, does everybody go to heaven? No. No, heaven is for children of God. Heaven, heaven is for those who have received Christ. How do I get to be a child? By asking in faith to become a part of the family of God, by trusting his son Jesus. You say, well, pastor, what if, what if I get saved, I give my heart to Jesus, what if I sin? Here's my question for you. What do you mean, what if? you going to. You're going to sin, you're going to mess up, you're going to drop the ball, you're going, to, you're going to blow it, you're going to make mistakes. I love that bumper sticker that says, Christians aren't perfect, they're forgiven. These are days when you, when you want to just kind of let go and, and say, I can't do it, I can't do it. Some of you are sitting right here right now, and, and you gave your heart to the Lord, and you're just kind of, I don't know if I can do this, I don't know if I can do this, I've got good news for you. It isn't up to you whether it can be done or not. He's the one that will get it done. Come to him. Come to him. Quit trying so hard and just come to him and say, I can't do this, and he will empower you to do it. God's never called anybody to do anything that he didn't turn right around and give them the power to do it. He would never call you to do something he isn't going to make away powerfully in your life for you to do it. So are you thankful that when you're in doubt, God isn't? Are you thankful today that when you feel far away from Him and you don't know if you can live this Christian life, He don't give up on you. He still loves you. He still walks with you. Aren't you thankful that it's in His power, not your power, to keep that relationship of father and son and father and daughter? That's His job. That's His job. You just come to Him. so important to get that. You see, I don't care what happens in my life because I know the finish line. I know what's going to happen at the end. You say, wouldn't it be better, Pastor, for you to say hope? No, I know. First, second, and third, John says, I can know. I don't have to hope, keep my fingers crossed, wonder. I can know, and here's why I can know, because it is not my perfection that seals my home in heaven. It is his grace and his love and his adoption of me into his family. That's good theology right there. Y'all with me out there? So no matter what happens the rest of my life, I'm ending up in heaven, and I'm thankful for that. I'm grateful to God for grace. I'm grateful to God for his plan in my life. I'm grateful to God for my heavenly home. Number four, I'm grateful to God for the changes he's making in me. I'm so thankful that I'm not who I used to be. Who's thankful today for you're you're glad you're not who you used to be? Amen. I mean, that's a testimony right there. If you don't say anything else Thursday before you eat way too much, look at the people around you and go, I just want to say, I thank God I'm not who I used to be. It's like the old cowboy, they were having a testimony service in a church one time and the old cowboy stood up and he said, I ain't what I ought to be, but I ain't what I was. I know people from out west and up north are going, ought to be, what's a ought to be? That's how we say ought to be. I'm not what I ought to be, but I'm not what I was. Everybody remember that little song, he's still, amen. He's always going to be working on you you get to heaven. You listen to me, you will not be complete in your development as a believer until you get to heaven. You say Billy Graham, Billy Graham's still, still on a journey toward God. Still, every day of Billy Graham's life, he has an opportunity to get closer to God and closer to God. But when he gets to heaven, the journey is over. He is made perfect and complete in heaven. Amen. Amen. God's helping me make changes in my life that I could never make on my own. I'm grateful to God that not only am I not the person I was, I'm not the person I'm going to be. God looks down on me and says, Pharaoh Hardison, I see you, that lump of clay, and I can do something with that. I feel like Moses and Jeremiah. Why in the world would you pick me, God? God saw my potential before anybody else saw it, including me. God saw your potential before anybody else saw it. And there may have been a time when somebody's ready to write you off. It might be now. Maybe there's somebody who referred to you recently as you're worthless. You're never going to mount anything. You're never going to be anything. You know what God says to you? Receive this word. God says to you today, I see a diamond in you. I see a diamond in you. I see a diamond in you, and I made you, and I value you, and I don't make no junk. I don't know if God would say that, but I think he would agree with it. I'm going to start making some changes in you. I like what one writer said. He said, the moment you became a believer, God started a personal improvement program in your life. God loves you just the way you are. You just come to him, bring the good, the bad, and the ugly, which would be a great title for a movie bring it all to him. He loves you too much to let you stay away. Look at this scripture. Look at this, look at this verse in the Bible. Philippians 2.13. Look what it says. For it is God who is at work in you. Everybody say God is at work in me. Man, isn't that awesome? God is at work in me both to will and to work. Why? Why? What's he trying to accomplish in us? His good pleasure. Isn't it amazing that God, when you come to him, will not only give you the desire to do right, he will give you the power to do the right thing. He never asks you to do something that he doesn't turn right around and then tell you what you need to do or give you the power to do it. A lot of you sitting right here have seen radical transformation in your life through your marriage, through your finances, through your relationships, through your attitude. All of those things have changed. Your whole life has been transformed. Some of you sitting here look back on your old life, and you are just blown away at what God has done with you. I think the problem is that the longer we're Christians, the more we forget what it was like before we met him. I think the longer we're saved, if we don't stay on our knees in prayer and let God keep us focused, we forget how it was not to have any hope. We forget how it was not to have any help and any power. We forget what it was like to not have his presence in our life, to be on our own. We forget the emptiness instead of the peace he's given and the protection Paul says that when we come to Christ, he starts changing us. Look at 2 Corinthians 2.18. It's in your notes. 2 Corinthians 2.18, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, everybody say those next three words with me, are being transformed into the same image. That means the image of God from glory to glory, just as from the Lord The Spirit. This is God's goal for us. Listen, every morning you wake up, you know what God's doing? You know what God's doing? He's trying to make you more godly, He's trying to make you more like Him. When when you get in traffic, hear this, Pharaoh, hear this, hear this, hear the word of the Lord, Pastor Pharaoh. When you're in traffic and somebody's driving slow in the fast lane, by the way, why do y'all do that? But, let me just move forward. God, when God has you in a, it's a test. It is. This morning, I told myself, when I got, I'm not kidding you, when I got in my car, don't run bridge people off the road on the way to the bridge. And I want to say that people pass me and then turned in this parking lot. Glory to God. Usually, usually I'm running people off the road having no thought that these people might be going to the bridge. So, a lot of times, I'll turn in off of 70 and realize five cars are behind me that I just ran off the road, and I just keep going right on by the church, and I circle back around. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, I know we're laughing, but God is always trying to put us in circumstances and situations so that we will be developed and become more like him. And I want to say that on my way to church this morning, I was so godly. (laughs) Do you notice the purpose of the bridge? Can can I just say something? When people ask you, "What's, what's that church all about out there? You know, we're the weird church. Well, what's that what's that church out there all about? Here's all I want you to say. Tell them I said hello. Here's all I want you to say. Listen. Here's all I want you to say. I want you to say, life change. They say, yeah, but I heard y'all got music. It's not about the music. We have music and we thank God for our music, and music is very important it's not about the music it's about life change the bridge is about life change y'all with me out there we love our pastor he ain't right (laughs) he preaches weird sometimes but it isn't about him It not about the sermon It not about the staff It not about our new building it isn't about our children's ministry we love all those things they're very 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 valuable we're very 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 thankful for those things We love our staff, but it's not about them. We love our church board, but it's not about them. We love all our volunteers and leaders, but it's not about them. What is your church about then? Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen. Life change. The day that the bridge ceases to be a church that leads people to Christ alone who can transform their life to be like him, then we don't need to exist as a church anymore. This church is about life change. Not life change we bring into your life, but life change that we bring you to Christ, and he brings that into your life. And the people said, amen, we're about life change. That's why I love baptisms around here. Because when you get baptized, we mess you up when you get baptized around here. Now, if you got sprinkled, I'm not picking on you. But that's for sissies. I got to tell you something, man. When we get ready to baptize somebody around here, you going to mess up. We're going to mess up your hair. We're going to mess up. And we're going to make you wear a t shirt that says, I died in this shirt. And we're going to put you under. We're going to take you out because here's why we do that. We want people to know I've changed my life. That's what people who are baptized here at the bridge, they say, I, they're say. they saying my life has changed. I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. But now my feet are at least going in the right direction. And I thank God I'm not what I'm going to be, but I'm also not what I was. And you need to be baptized and you need to say to the world, I'll never be the same again. I'm stepping into this pool. I'm going under this water because I want to cross the line and say publicly that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And I'm not going back. And to prove I'm not going back, I want to make a public declaration of my faith because I am grateful for what God has done in my life. Now let me close with this. Four ways to say thanks. Very quickly. Number one, By singing. Now some of y'all need to do that with the windows rolled up. Singing. But can I say something about Christianity? Christianity is a singing faith. Now I know we have some people who come after the worship's over and they go, I don't really need all that music and worship. I just come for the message. Big mistake because you do need the Word of God for your head, but you need worship for your heart. You say, well, I don't particularly like the style of worship here. I mean, I love the church, but I don't particularly like the style. Then get you some four guys in the same suit music. It don't matter to me. I'm not picking on that. Get you some Bill Gaither. Get you some... Whatever, get you some Andre Crouch. Boy, that was old, wasn't it? Is he still alive? Get you, so whatever music you like, and worship God. You've got to have that for your heart. Psychologists have discovered that singing praise actually lifts your spirit. They have done tests. There are physical changes, positive physical changes that take place when a person prays praises and, and and thanks God. It renews them. It rejuvenates them. It's a, it's a mood lifter. It's a depression lifter. I mean, holidays are a rough time and some of you, me and Millie were talking about it earlier, some of you are for the first time in your life in these holidays, you're going to be without somebody you love because of a divorce or a death. You're going to be without somebody you love or maybe a child has been um, uh, uh, taken, you know, going overseas for the military. or what, And you're just, this is going to be a different holiday time for you. And if you allow it, the enemy wants to take you into the pits during the holidays. Don't let him, listen to me, surround yourself with worship. Surround yourself with music. Surround yourself with praises. Get your Bible out and find those verses that give praise and thanks to God. I'm telling you, it will lift your spirit. It will lift your spirit. Amen, amen. That's a practical word right there. Number two, we don't only thank God by singing, we thank God by serving. We sing with our lips, we serve with our lives. The Bible says serve the Lord with gladness. Hebrews 12 and 8. Hebrews 12 and 8. Paul says, I believe Paul wrote Hebrews, since we have a kingdom that nothing can destroy, listen to this, let us please God by serving him with what? Thankful hearts. The right motive for serving God, the right motive for using my talents and gifts and serving God and others in ministry is rooted in my gratitude. Listen, a lot of you guys, you know why you can't stay in a ministry and keep serving. You know why you keep quitting. You know why you'll work in a ministry a while and quit. Here's why. You think you're doing it for me. You think you're doing it for the staff. You think you're doing it because we got a bunch of jobs in the church that need to be done. Let me tell you what will change your whole outlook on service in this church if you begin to do it as an act of thanksgiving to God for all he's done for you. You say that's a manipulative statement. No, it is not. Right there it is in the word of God. Please God by serving him with a thankful heart. Right there it is in the Bible. At Thanksgiving and throughout the holidays, express your gratitude to God by doing something selfless. We're going to give you some stuff next week. When you get here, there's going to be a little packet in every chair, and you're going to have some tools in there, and we're going to talk to you about through the month of December. I mean, we're going to have billboards about our, our Christmas series. It's called Christmas Unplugged, and, and, and you're going to see billboards, and, and you're going to have a little packet of information next week, and we're going to give you some tools, and the bridge is going to do some, li- some lifeless, I meant to say selfless stuff during December. Amen? We're going to do some selfless things. We're going to move out into our community, and you might not be able to do much. You might not be able to give somebody but a dollar, but we're going to make Christmas about others. And we're going to give you the tools to do that. And when you do that, here's the wonderful thing about it, God pours into your life. So we're going to have that for you next week. Use your talents and gifts to help people in a way that you don't get anything back personally from it. Let your service be an act of thanksgiving. We sing with our lips. We serve with our lives. Number three, we express thanks to God by giving. And you knew I was going to mention that one, didn't you? Psalm 50 and 14, give an offering to show thanks to God. Give Him what you promised. Psalm 50 and 14, the level of my giving shows the level of my gratitude. If I'm not giving, the bottom line is I'm not very thankful. I don't know if you all noticed, but thanks and giving kind of goes together. Thanksgiving. Look at Deuteronomy 16.10. Deuteronomy 16.10. Celebrate the harvest festival. Everybody say harvest festival. You're like, what is that? What is that? It's a, it's a, it's a feast. It's a festival that God created. I'm going to tell you about it. He says, celebrate the harvest festival to honor the Lord your God, by bringing him a free will offering in proportion to the blessing he's given you. 350 years ago, the Indians and the pilgrims uh, came up with a day of thanksgiving. But 3,000 years ago, before that, God established thanksgiving when he created the Feast of Weeks. And the Feast of Weeks uh, were his people coming to bring an offering to express their worship and thanksgiving. And I challenge you to give a special offering during the holiday season and as we approach the end of the year, give a generous offering so we can do the work of the Lord in this church. Now, you've got three little blanks there. I'm going to go ahead and fill those in right now because we ought to move on. Um, so in the first blank, I want you to put review. Second blank, I want you to put renew. And I couldn't think of an R word for the third one, so I want you to put exceed. Exceed. Somebody gave me one during the break, but I can't remember what it was. Um, so, so here's what I want you to do right now and, and for the rest of this year. And I want you to use the Thanksgiving holiday to do this. I want you to review your giving commitment. I'm not asking you to call me or talk to anybody, just you and God. Just you and God. That's all I'm asking you to do. Get with God, review your giving commitment, and go back and say, what does my giving, how much I give, how I give, what does it say about me? What statement does it make about me? Let's review some questions you could ask yourself. Am I just giving what I think I can afford to give or am I giving what I know God wants to give through me? Is my giving this past year stretching me or is it easy to do? Has my giving showed my hope of eternal reward or my interest in material things? These are good questions. Has my giving showed how much I really love Christ and his church family? Has my giving represented a a genuine sacrifice? I mean, was it really a sacrifice? And then finally, does the amount I'm giving truly express the level of thanksgiving that I have for the life God's given me, my church, my family, my salvation? So number one, review. Number two, renew. And here's what we mean by that. I want you to just renew your commitment and say, God, I know what I gave last year and I'm going to give at least that much next year and I'm going to try to exceed it, which brings us to the third one. I'm going to try to exceed it. You know what Millie and I do every year? Every year, we determine that we're going to give more than we did the year before. I don't know if we'll always be able to do that. I don't know if we'll always be able to do that. But so far, we've been able to give more the year before, the year coming, than we gave the year before. Try to do that. Nobody's going to check on you. Nobody's going to call you. Nobody's going to make you feel bad about it. I'm just asking you to get with God and and talk to Him about that. Number four. Number four, under how to thank God, we sing, we serve, we give. And then number four is speaking. Speaking. We express thanks to God by speaking. Here's what I mean by that. Every time you tell the good news, you're thanking God. Look what it says in Isaiah 12 and 4. Thank the Lord, praise His name. What's the next word? Tell the world of His wondrous love And how mighty he is. The church possesses, and I've got to admit, I got this out of a book, and I should have wrote down my source. I'll try to remember to tell you where I got this next week. I probably won't remember. The church possesses the greatest news in the world. Listen to this. And the reason the news that we possess keeps getting better and better and better with each passing day is because the news of the world keeps getting worse and worse. So as bad as it's getting everywhere else, that's nothing to cry about. That's something to be thankful for because the worse the news gets in the world, the better the news of the church gets. That's, I know you're going to have to take that one home and chew on it a while, but it's so true. When you put... It's like that jewelry store. When you go into a jewelry store, you're going to buy diamonds. He doesn't take the diamonds out and throw them down on a glass top. He takes those diamonds out and he puts a black velvet pad down. And he puts those diamonds on a black velvet pad because when you put something beautiful against dark, it sparkles brighter. It shows brighter. And the longer we're in this world, the darker it gets. But it makes the message of the gospel brighter and brighter and brighter. We got the good news we got the best story we got the best news and the people said amen. amen invite people to church be a bringer be a bringer bring people you say I don't know how to witness we'll be a bringer just bring people make up your mind you're going to bring people to church we're going to be talking to you about how we're going to do that so the power of Thanksgiving is amazing I'm telling you guys, listen to me. This is not just a Thanksgiving sermon so I can say, oh yeah, I did the Thanksgiving. The power of Thanksgiving is amazing. When you are thankful, yes, it blesses the Lord, but you get blessed. Paul and Silas were thrown into jail. The Bible says at the midnight hour, they begin to pray and sing praises to God and God came down and shook the jailhouse. house that's where the song "Jailhouse rock came from <laughs> a lot of people don't know that God shook the house and set them free let me ask you a question what prison are you in today what prison are you in today can I ask you something has whining helped has complaining helped has talking about how this ain't fair has that helped Paul and Silas, with stripes on their back, blood running down their back, sitting in sewage, begin to sing. Oh, I don't know what they sung. There's an old song over there in Psalms that says, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. In the city of our God, in the mountain of His holiness. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth. Is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king? Maybe they sung that. I don't know what they sung, but it says they sung praises to God. And when they did, God set them free. And God wants some of us, me too, me too, Feral Hardison, me too, to stop whining and start praising because whining keeps me in prison. And praising sets me free. And the people said,